My name is Alina. I'm a covenant partner here, and I volunteer on the worship team. Today's scripture is found in two different passages. Um, first, I'll be reading 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 through 4, verse 8. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. And now from Romans 12, starting in verse 3. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them, if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. This is God's word. You may be seated. Well, good morning, Foothill and King's Church. It's good to see you all here this morning. Uh, we are here, of course, to, uh, to send off uh, Pastor Stephen and his team. But before we do that, I just want to remind you, Fiddle Church, uh, church continues here next week. And in fact, next week is kind of our fall kickoff where we will uh, we'll kick off a new children's uh, ministry season. And you don't want your kids to miss that. Uh, classes, groups, all those kind of things happening next week. So just a reminder, uh, be here. Uh, you're not going to want to miss that as we kind of get our fall up and running. Now, last week we started a series. Uh, we're just calling it uh, generosity, where we're looking at uh, the various forms of generosity we see in Scripture. And what we wanted to make very plainly, uh, make plain up front, was, was simply this, that while generosity, certainly when some of you hear that, you think money, right? Of course, it's, it's not ever less than what we do with our finances. I just wanted you to see, and we will see in the coming uh, uh, two weeks after this, uh, that, that it's much, much more, right? Because when God's generosity, Chris just read it, right? When, when we understand that God so loved that he gave like this total self-giving, giving of his most precious prized possession, like he gives that, then that in return results in giving. And that kind of giving and generosity pervades every part of our life. 
So I, I gave you a definition uh, last week, and let me just, just show you that real quick. Biblical generosity is a spirit-created radical impulse to sacrificially give to others who cannot repay me because of Christ's radical sacrifice uh, for, that, that I cannot repay. And we turn to places like 1 John 3.16 that, that says, by this we know love. Here's our definition of love, that, that Christ laid down his life for us, so we ought to lay down our lives for each other. So there's this self-giving radical generosity that happens between all of us for each other, for the sake of Christ, for the sake of his kingdom. Now, the reason I point this out today is because, I, again, I, I want you to see, yes, this has to do with your money, but, but I also want you to see this has everything to do with church planting, right? The, the impulse to church plant, to be a planter, to be a core team, to be a church that sends people out comes from a place of generosity. We don't want to hoard people here. They want to give their lives for the sake of some new work. A church planter and his family saying, man, we, we are willing to leave the comforts and friendships and all of these things that we had here in order to go do something for the kingdom of God. That comes from a place of radical generosity. That's why this has everything uh, to do with what we're talking about. Um, so today we, we, we send out Stephen, Katie, and their family, and the team that's going with them. And uh, this is a weird day for, for, I'm sure, for Stephen and Katie, certainly for me, because Stephen is the second guy I hired, right? This, is, this was... Uh, uh, December of 2007 it was about one year after I got here, almost to the Sunday, um, and, and Stephen has served with me longer than any other staff member. And so listen, here's what I would say. If you're, if you're part of Foothill Church, and maybe you didn't know this, but you haven't been around as long as uh, others have, uh, when you look at what God has done here, I just wanna make this clear that much of what you see, much of what you enjoy, much of what you experience is because Stephen and Katie had their hands all over this place, right? They, they helped do what we are enjoying today. And so Foothill Church, I think, is right and fitting for us, before I go any further, for us to just say, can you help me say thank you to Stephen and Katie for nearly 15 years of faithful ministry. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> if you didn't see that, Shorty got up and, and <laughs> waved to all of you. <laughs> uh. Well, hey, it's this last day. It's weird for me to say that. Like, this is the last time that Stephen, Katie, their kids will, will officially sit under my preaching. It's the last time some of you uh, will or should call me your pastor because uh, the baton is being passed. And so I think about what do you say on a day like this? And, and, and truthfully, you kind of come and you're at a loss for words. Like, you know, those of you who have grown children, you, you feel like, um, man, before they step out of the house, you're thinking things like, what, what, what do I need to say? I mean, there's, I feel like there's all these lessons I want to make sure they know before they go. And, and you know, St Stephen has been around. We've had so many conversations over the years. I think we think alike in a lot of ways. But, but I, I feel like Paul and Timothy, right? For, for Paul, Timothy, he called him his beloved son. My, 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 my beloved child in the gospel, right? And while, 
Stephen doesn't credit his salvation to me. In many ways, we've been partners in this whole thing. I feel that belovedness toward him, towards Katie, towards their family, and I feel it towards you, King's Church, and, and I, I see a lot of familiar faces, and, and I just want you to know you are deeply loved. You, we are so grateful for the time that we've had with you, and, um, and it's not easy to say goodbye, but I'm, I'm, I'm genuinely uh, grateful uh, for, for what God has done through you and in you uh, for these um, last many years that you've been with us, and certainly you, Stephen and Katie, for 15 years. So, so here's what I want to do. I, 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 I honestly... This could go. This kind of sermon could go on and on and on. I'm like, what do I say in 25 minutes? What do I try and get across to Stephen and, and to King's Church and even to us, Foothill Church? So this is really, I want you to see, a sort of a multi-directional sermon, I guess is the way I'd say it, where, where Paul always had these final parting words to Timothy, to Titus, to, to those who were under his care. And so just take these as some of my parting words. I wish I could say more. I wish I had time to say more. But, but receive this as God's uh, parting words to you, Stephen and Katie, and to you, King's Church. And then certainly Foothill Church, don't tune this out because this is for you, right? I want you to hear this is as much for, for us as it is uh, for them, okay? So the first thing I would just say to you, Stephen, is Stephen, preach the word indiscriminately. My charge to you, right, is what Paul says. He tells Timothy, preach the word in verse 2, and then he says, be ready in season and out of season. And I want you to remember this. I don't want you to ever forget that I think that in season and out of season means when the harvest feels ready and when it doesn't, when you feel good and when you feel bad, when you feel like preaching the word, when you don't feel like, when people love you for what you do and when they don't like you for what you're saying, when they nod amen, when they cross their arms and reject you, you you preach the word. You never stop, ever stop preaching the word. Let the Bible tell you what's important. Because I promise you, you're going to get emails and phone calls and conversations in the hallways of people who are going to tell you what they think is important and what you ought to be talking about. And God has given us 66 books. Say, so you focus on this, you say this, and it will deal with all of that in its time. You preach the word. You keep going back to it again and again and again. I was just telling somebody this morning a story about a, a friend who, who told me, he's a pastor, not, not here, and a uh, New Year's ago, who said to me one day, I, I couldn't believe it, he said he, he said he had run out of things to preach because he preached topically. Let me say to you, you will never run dry if you'll just preach the word. And I know you're committed to that. And, and truthfully, Stephen, you know this, I would have never sent you out of here if I didn't know that, but that's your heartbeat as you want to preach the word. Preach it and keep preaching it, right? Let it out of its cage, as, 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 uh, as Spurgeon says, and it will do the work of teaching and reproving and correcting and training in righteousness. But that's gonna take for you radical generosity. It takes radical generosity for you to give your life to these people and the more that will come through preaching and teaching and shepherding. And you will be days, you will be like, I can't believe I get paid to do this. You'll be so encouraged by what you see. And there'll be other days when you're on social media and you will despair about what you see, right? Because you're gonna see things and realize, oh my goodness, my, I, I have so far to go. In fact, listen, Paul says this in chapter four, verse three. He says, why should you preach the word? For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, even the preaching of the word, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. If that doesn't describe the last two years of church ministry, Stephen, I don't know what else does. This is already happening. 
People are accumulating podcasts and social media influencers and news media outlets that will suit their passions, reinforce their prejudice, feed their idols, and they will reject what you say. And you will think, maybe I should revise. You preach the word. And you never stop. It will be radical generosity that causes you to feed the sheep even when they bite. Preach the word. Study, Stephen. There are a thousand things that you can do. And I know you, you are such an incredibly competent person. There are thousands of things and voices that will pull you in a different direction. Sometimes, Stephen, there will be days when there's a thousand things you'd rather do. There's one thing you must do, and that's preach the word. You preach it indiscriminately. You preach it in classes, you preach in the congregation, you preach it every single chance you get, you preach the word. But King's Church, that means something for you. That means you receive the word eagerly. I hope you will. I hope you are so eager to hear the word of God. James chapter one, verse 21 says that we should receive the, the implanted word with meekness, right? That's what we're called to do. Let, it, let me say to you what I said to Stephen, let the Bible tell you what's important. Not the culture, not social media, not all these things, all these voices in your ears. These 66 books will tell you what's important. There's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to death. Listen to the word of God. Don't say, I think. Here's what I believe. Say, here's what the word of God says. Resist the urge to let the world disciple you more than the church of Jesus Christ disciples you. And listen, make sure Stephen has time to preach. He cannot be omnipotent. He cannot go to every single function you need him to go to. And the reason why is not because you know Stephen, he wants to, he will have FOMO all the time, (laughs) but he must preach the word. And he must have time to preach the word. And you should be glad that he's in his study and sometimes missing your event. Because he's decided, I need to be there. I got to love these people by preaching the word to them. Let him do that. Um, And listen, don't, don't criticize him when he's in his study. Congratulate him. Like, like, look, right now, this is going to have to be something Stephen learns to do every single week. And, and I, I can remember, man, I was, I was just reminiscing with Stephen and, and Brother Al this morning about, man, when I first came to Foothill, like it was, I was all over the map. I mean, I was fretting on Saturday nights and I had studied all week and I didn't know what I was going to say. And, and, and slowly over time, a rhythm developed. That's going to happen with Stephen. He's going to be trying to figure out and get his bearings to do this every single week, week after week after week after week. Be patient with him as he figures that out, Okay. Number two, Stephen, pour yourself out for the king's church. Paul says this in chapter four of 2 Timothy. He says, I'm already being poured out as a drink offering in the time of my departures. Come, I fought the good fight. I finished the race. 
I want you to finish the race well, but Paul says to do that, you pour yourself out. And I don't think this is just an end of life thing. Hey, I get all the way to the end and then I pour myself out. I think this is constantly, we give our lives. Paul says in Philippians, I'm, I'm being poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, right? This is happening in his entire ministry was one of giving, one of sacrificing, because that's what, according to, to 1 Peter 5, right? This is what we do. We shepherd the flock of God among us. We, 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 we stand between wolves and sheep. We protect, we provide, we guide, we love them. And it never stops. And this is the crazy thing. It never goes away. It's 24-7, 365. It doesn't mean you don't get a vacation. It means you raise up elders so that they, you can go take a break. Because what you're going to realize is you'll, you'll feel the weight of burnout and realize I'm not the chief shepherd. He is. And I want them to know him. And ultimately, they're cared for by him Stephen, we, if we're doing our job, we're going to say with Paul, I fought the good fight. I've, henceforth, there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness. With the Lord, the righteous judge will award to me. But I've worked my way out of a job. It ought to be our goal that in how many ever years the Lord has us in this church and you at King's Church is that someday there's going to be another jerk that stands in my place, right? But the congregation will say, we love him. And we're so glad he's coming and you're leaving. Right? Pour yourself out for them. And then King's Church, listen, if he's going to pour himself out and he's going to love you and lead you like this, you listen to and follow the shepherd God has given you. Hebrews chapter 13. I hope you know this. Everybody should have this listed somewhere among their verses. Obey your leaders and submit to them for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. I think that's a warning to believers and to the pastors alike. Are you doing this pastors, right? That's what it's saying to us. But are you doing this followers? Are you doing this congregation? Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, the writer of Hebrews says, for that would be of no advantage to you. King's Church, make it a joy to shepherd you. Just make it a joy for Stephen. I hope someday I'm talking to him and I hope he'll be like, you know what? I love being the pastor of King's Church. Why? Because they, are, they, they love to be shepherded. They have entrusted their souls to me and we're caring for them. That ought to be the conversation I hear. I pray to God that's what comes out of his mouth. But this is going to take generosity on your part, right? Because you've got to say, hey, I'm letting someone else, right, be accountable. I, he's going to have to give an account for my soul. And I'm letting somebody else into my life. And somebody's going to hold me accountable to walking in obedience. That's going to mean generosity. It's going to be laying down your life. That's exactly what God calls you to do. The third thing I'd say is, Stephen, be patient, right? You're going to see this over and over. Second Timothy chapter 2, we're supposed to be patient, you know, shepherd with all patience. I, I, Stephen, Paul's going to say to Timothy, set people an example in love and faith and purity. So in other words, like, like Stephen, um, challenge them with your maturity, with your faith, walk as an example before them, but don't outrun them. 
Okay, don't ever outrun the flock because of your own ambition. Guide them toward rich pastures. Don't whip them there. Be patient. They're going to require lots of patience. They're going to try your patience. You're going to see things and have to deal with things. Like, man, it's just going to require a supernatural patience. Make it your ambition to have a healthy flock, not to be in greener pastures. Be patient. But King's Church, you be patient. Few things are more exhausting to a pastor than feeling like you can't please anyone. And few things are more stressful to a pastor's family. Um, be patient with Katie. Be patient with Emily as pastor's wives. J- just know, some of you will be like, where are they today? They're always at church. All, they never leave. It's ever-present be patient with Owen and Penny and Margot and Wesley. Be patient with Ezra and Adeline and Riley. Like they are sinners like everybody else. They're going to make mistakes. They're going to do stupid stuff, of course. They're children. So did you. And all I'd ask you, I'd plead with you, don't call them to any higher standard than you would your own child who's a Christian and saying, I want them to be obedient. Like pastors' kids get a bad rap, right? They're the ones smoking weed on the roof. That's not Tucker, my kid. They didn't do that, okay, just for make it clear. Right? But they get a bad rap. And look, I, look, look I, I don't want to, it's not the congregation's fault, but sometimes there's these unreasonable expectations placed on kids. Like somehow you got to be perfect. You got to be just this, you know, I mean, and people say stupid things to pastor's kids. You must have memorized the Bible, right? <laughs> well, you know, you know, it's dumb, right? I mean, you, you, you don't ever sin, right? I mean, like kids heard things like this. Be patient with them. Listen. My kids have all grown now. They all love Jesus. Praise God, they love the church. You know why, King's Church? Because Foothill Church has loved them well. Foothill Church has been incredibly patient with me and my family. Do that for them. Do that so that in five years, 10 years, 20 years, all these children and more will look back and say, that church was the best thing that ever happened to me. Do that for them. Stephen, Daniel, Ellie, here's a fourth thing. Remember, you are gifted people working with gifted people. And I think I had to say this. I was thinking especially about these three congregations. Some of you don't know this. Like I look at the three of these as sort of between the three of them, they're nearly omnicompetent, right? They are, they can cover so many bases. I I have never heard one of them. Stephen in 15 years, Katie in 15 years. I've never heard Daniel or Ellie ever say, uh, I can't do it, I won't do it. Almost always, they're the ones who step up before anybody else and say, I'm in, I'll do it, what do you need? And I say to the three of you, never lose that, never. On the other hand, don't let it be your undoing. Don't let it be the thing that makes you say, I'll I'll step in and I'll always cover the bases. Like, look, you have a role to play. Paul says in Romans chapter 12, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to, right? Understand everybody's got a gift. Everybody's got a part to play. So the three of you don't play every part. Don't let yourself play every part. 
Your job is to identify the, the, where, where God is gifted. I am so convinced that when God builds a church, he starts to bring people at very strategic times. Say, okay, you need this person. You need that person. You need this person. Bring them in. Let them play the part that God has asked them to play. Let them exercise the gifts that, that, uh, that God has given them. Your job is simply to recognize them and to mobilize them for the sake of ministry. But King's Church, you partner with these three for God's glory. That's your job, right? I, I hope what's motivating you <laughs> to go is the glory of God. More people coming to faith in Jesus. Not, ah, smaller church, my time to shine. I hope that what's pushing you out of here is this radical generosity that's been shown to you. So man, you want to be radically generous. You want to be radically generous to Stephen and to Daniel and to Ellie and their families. You want to be radically generous in giving, in leadership, in teaching, in mercy. See all those things? Paul, listen, Romans 12. We could go to 1 Corinthians 12 to 14. We could go to Ephesians 4. All of this is everybody working together and saying, man, we have something to build here. God is doing something and we we want to go out of here and we want to make a difference. We want to make an impact in the culture. We want to set Jesus up as king and people to come and worship him. This is not about you becoming king or Stephen becoming king. It's about Jesus being king, the king's church. Let Jesus be glorified in that. Be generous. Now, I mean this in every way and I do mean financially. Like this church is just starting out and it's gonna need your radical financial generosity. It's gonna need you to, to go, man, I'm, I'm giving habitually and I'm, I am, I'm in making sure that you know, we're, we're able to do all the things that we're called to do. Stephen, Ellie, Daniel, I hope you will be three of the most generous people at Foothill Church in every way and set them an example in that if you want them to be generous. The King's Church, you partner with them. You step up, I can promise you right now, they've got a thousand things to do before now and next week. And what they need is not you coming to them and saying, here's my gift, here's what I do. They need you saying, where do you need me? What can I do? I'm here to serve. I'm here to lay down my life, my rights for the sake of what God is doing so other people can come to King's Church and, and hear about Jesus and know him. I love, I love that I can look around at this core group and those that were in the first service and I see a bunch of really servant-hearted people. And I love that. And I hope that never goes away. Stay there, stay in that groove and serve and give your lives to this. But Foothill Church, let me say something to you. We, we have a part to play. We just do, right? We're not, we're not kicking King's Church and Stephen and Katie out of the nest and saying, hey man, good luck. We hope it goes well for you, right? We are partner churches, right? In some ways, we want to think of ourselves as brother-sister churches that, that are running side by side together. But let's just say what's obvious. Obviously, we have years ahead in terms of, of financial independence and our ability to do some things that, 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 that the King's Church doesn't have yet. And our goal and their goal is that they be self-governing, they be financially independent, they're able to just get off and run. But that's going to take time. We are trying to do something 
that. I'm not saying this is unprecedented in the history of church planting. I'm saying it's unprecedented for us. We are trying to do something we've never done before. And that is, we've, I've seen churches fail. Church after church after church after church over the last 15 years has failed in Southern California. This is very hard to plant a church here. Now, there's a lot of reasons for that, but one of the reasons is that generally the way church planting works is this. What you do is you find a church planter, you take him and his family, and you send them out, and man, you pat them on the back, and you try to give them as big a push as you can, and then you hope it all works out. And it's no wonder that after a couple of years, the wife and the family feel absolutely frayed. They feel burned. They've worked their fingers to the bone. They finally go, man, I'll go sell insurance. I'll do anything. I got to get out of this. And we don't want that. So, so we've decided to sort of go, hey, we're going to try something different here. And we're going to send Stephen with Ellie. And we're going to send Stephen with Daniel. And, and, and we're going to pay them. And we're going to support them as they go out. Well, guess what? That takes money, right? That, that takes a kind of generosity on our part. We raised 100% of their budget for year number one. We're going to raise about 75% of their budget for year two. And we're going to try to do this like you do. Those of you with grown kids kind of did with college. You're like, hey, we still got to pay, but they're kind of on their own. And we send them out and then slowly we start to unwind and slowly they gain their dependence and then they can get off and they can fly and they can go and we're like, yes. And hopefully we'll look back in five and 10 and 20 years and King's Church is this vital church that's out there in Ontario making a big difference because you, Foothill Church, have helped give them the push to get them there. And so here's what we want to do. Like, listen, I am not up here to twist anybody's arm. That is not my thing. I'm not a salesman. I'm not a marketer. I am here to tell you we have this incredible opportunity ahead of us. In fact, if you, if you look on your seat when you came and you had one of these, go ahead and grab this while I'm talking about this. We are going to try, and we've done this now for several years, we are, we are shooting for raising a million dollars for King's Church and others to have a bigger gospel impact in their community. That's what this is all about. This is about pouring gas on the fire of the King's Church and, and all of these church plants that we support. In fact, you open it up, you go out into the map outside, you're going to see all the things we're trying to do with that million dollars, okay? And, 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 and we can make a difference, but it's going to take our financial generosity. And, and listen, we've designed this year after year after year, we've done this. Where, where if you go and you click on this, you know, do this QR code or go to foothill.church slash send, what's going to take you to is a page and say, what number do you want? You know, 1 to 100, 101 to 200, it takes you all through, through to 850. Every single one of those numbers represents a dollar amount. Okay, and, 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 if, and if you take the number 322, you're saying, man, by God's grace and with his help, I'm going to try to give $322 between now and the end of December. Now, listen, they go up to 850. I want to say this to some of you out loud. I don't know who you are. Some of you, that's, that's pocket change for you. That's nothing. You can do far more than that. Now, I'm not saying it's everybody. Some of you are like, man, I'm struggling for a dollar, right? I get it. The whole thing is designed so everybody, and when I say everybody, I mean everybody, mom and dad, have your kids play a part in this. Get them investing in the things of God now. 
It's not too early. If you pay your kid any sort of allowance, teach them how this works. Don't say, hey, I'll pay this on behalf of my son or daughter. Say, what are you going to do? How can we see God do great things through this? We've heard testimonies from kids who man, pulled their bank accounts out and their piggy banks and, and, and gave things. Like, Listen, I'm not talking about what the amount you give. I'm talking about the sacrifice of the heart that says, man, because God has been radically generous to me, I want to be radically generous. And I will challenge you that I think sometimes this is the most tangible way that some of us will express our generosity. I I, I want you to know that every single elder, that every single staff member has given to this. They've made a pledge already. They've gone and said, man, we're in, we're doing this. This is something the leadership agrees with. By God's grace, I'm so glad I can stand up here today and tell you, I'll give you final numbers last week, but we've raised somewhere in the neighborhood of $550,000 already. Because some of you are doing the math. Like, how does that work if we only do these numbers? That's not enough, Chris. You're right, it's not enough. But there's been some people who have given crazy generous amounts. And I want to encourage you with that. Like, we can get there if everybody will play their part. Foothill Church, we have a part to play. And I want you to know that, you know, if we're looking at this in chunks and pieces of the pie, the largest piece of the pie is going to go to the King's Church. Okay, let me say this again out loud. So if you're new, if you never heard this before, none of this covers overhead. None of this is turning lights on. None of this is my salary or anybody's staff. This is all going to church planting, missions, and outreach. We're going to send out of here by God's grace, okay? So when you give, that's what's happening. Moms and dads, get your kids involved. That's why we've given these numbers one through 100, by the way. Like, like we know that, you know, like those kids are like, hey, a dollar, five dollars, whatever. And we usually set those aside for our kids' ministry and they'll burn through maybe a, a couple of those uh, over the, the course of the next few months. But it's a way of us all saying, hey, we played a part, man. You, you help plant a church in Ontario. You, you help build a church in Paris and Lebanon and all over the world because of what you're doing. And so let's give. In fact, do me a favor, pull out your phone right now. Again, I'm not here to compel you. I'm not looking. You, 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 you've got to decide before God. Grab your phone, shoot that QR code or go to foothill.church send so you can see what I'm talking about here. And I, I want us just, let's just pause for a moment. And I want you to consider even what Chris said a little earlier, how utterly radically generous has God been to you? Listen, when Paul wants to talk to people about giving, he says, I don't want you to give under compulsion. God wants a cheerful giver. Somebody who says, man, I get to do this. Not I'm being strong-armed. So don't hear that. Don't hear that. Hear that what I hope is that Paul, when he wants to motivate, he says, I'm, I, I want to I talk about the grace that was given to you through Jesus. And now let that grace, let that gospel be the motivation for your giving. So, so, so just take a moment. Consider what God would have you to do in this moment. God, by, by your grace, what, what would you have me do between now and the end of the year? Michelle and I have made our pledge um, and, and it's not money that I've just got lying around. It's over and above our regular giving, okay? But we're saying, Lord, by, by, by your grace, with your help, uh, that this is what we, we hope that you will allow us to do between now and then, okay? What would God have you do? 
Father, I pray that you'd give wisdom. I pray now as we consider the part that we play as a church in sending another church out, that God, you would pour out a spirit of radical financial generosity on us, God, that we would say, not I have to give or, you know, Chris twisted my arm or anything like that, God. That people, you love a cheerful giver who finds joy in the fact that Jesus sacrificed everything for us. Motivate us with that kind of love, we pray. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. We'll tell you what, I'm gonna have... um, Stephen and Katie and your kids and Daniel and Emily and Ellie, would you guys just come up here? I'm going to ask them to stand right along the front here. And then elders, would you come? And we've got some visiting pastors and others that are going to come and just be on the front and the back of them here. Uh, We'd love you guys to come up on stage with me here. Yeah, you guys go ahead and get in the middle. And um, Elders, would you lay your hands on Stephen? Wives, would you gather around Katie and, 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 uh, and just, uh, uh, just lay your hands on her as well? And I want to give a charge, and then I want to pray um, for Stephen. Uh, Stephen's scripture is clear. Elders are to lead the church with holiness and humility protecting the church with, uh, with conviction and caring for her with, God, with gentleness. As elders, our lives must be marked by the qualifications of 1 Timothy 3, Titus 1, 1 Peter 5. Your first priority is your family. You are to be a man who leads his family well, who helps his children willingly obey Jesus, who shepherds his family before he shepherds the church. Your family is your qualification, Stephen. You're to shepherd the flock of God and protect it from wolves, teach sound doctrine, be dignified, self-controlled, keeping the faith and love, and remain steadfast in all of that. You have proven yourself to be faithful. You've been tested and approved by Foothill Church and our elders by Acts 29 and found to be a man qualified to serve in the role of an elder. So now before God, these elders and pastors and your brothers and sisters in Christ from Foothill Church and the New King's Church, from Acts 29 and neighboring churches, do you promise, Stephen, by God's grace, to love and lead your family as you are charged to do by Scripture? If so, say, by God's grace, I do. By God's grace, I do. And do you promise, Stephen, by God's grace, to love and lead the King's Church in a way that is faithful to Scripture, esteems Jesus as the chief shepherd, and brings glory to God? If if so, say, by God's grace, I do. Then congregation, bow your heads with me. Stephen, you go ahead and kneel before us here. Father, we know that in your grace, when you want to plant a church, you call a man. And Stephen has answered that call, and so we pray for him and Katie and their children. This is not the end of the journey, it's just the beginning. And so we pray that Stephen would be a good under-shepherd who, like the great shepherd, is not in this for his selfish gain, but for your glory and for the good of your people. Give him grace to be a good and godly shepherd. We pray that you would anoint Stephen as a preacher of your word, that as he stands in the pulpit of the King's Church week after week after week, the word would build your church. It would be milk and meat to your people. It would nourish them and equip them. That by the power of the Spirit, his preaching would teach and reprove and correct and train your people and Stephen in righteousness. We pray that the gospel would saturate every part of the King's Church in Stephen's life and that Stephen would preach with gospel clarity, which is the way he ought to speak.
Father, we pray for faithfulness and fruitfulness, faithfulness to you and your word, faithful to sound doctrine, faithful to Jesus Christ, faithful to your bride, the church, and then through that, will you in your kindness grant abundant and fruitful harvest of righteousness at the King's Church. We pray that Stephen and Daniel and Ellie, along with future elders and staff, would guard the good deposit of Scripture that has been entrusted to them. We pray that Stephen would shepherd them with all patience and endurance. We pray that he would not find his identity in how big or how successful the King's Church is in the world's eyes, but in the fact that he is totally loved and a child of God. And to that end, open the eyes of his heart and his eye, that his eyes might see the hope to which you've called him. What are the riches of your glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of your power toward us who believe? We pray against the enemy of our souls. We pray that you would defeat the devil, his demons, his works and effects in Stephen and Katie, Daniel, Emily, Ellie, and all their children. We pray that their families, God, we, we pray for them. We ask, God, that you might equip and protect and defend Katie and Emily. We pray specifically for Owen and Penny, Margo and Wesley. We pray for Ezra and Adeline and Riley, that in five and 10 years, Lord, that, that 20 years, 30 years, they'd look back and say, the King's Church loved me. The King's Church gave me a spiritual home and it was the best thing that ever happened to me spiritually. We commit Stephen into your care, knowing that he who began a good work in him will be faithful to complete it on the day of Jesus Christ. And we pray all this through the name of Jesus, our chief shepherd and the lover of our souls and by the power of your Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Thank you guys. Go ahead and take a seat. Uh, Before I pray for uh, the King's Church and its core team, we're gonna do something here. Um, I want us to partake of the Lord's Supper together. I think it's fitting for us to pause and to uh, just remember that we are are one body together right now. And even though we split apart and they will do this on their own next week and, and we will continue doing that, I think it's such a wonderful thing for us to signify that we are one in the body of Christ. And so ushers, you can, you can come down, Michael, uh, and, uh, and begin serving us uh, this morning. Uh, Paul talks about this, that, that we have to be sure that we are eating and drinking in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, that we don't eat or drink in an unworthy manner. And one of the things that makes us unworthy when we, when we eat and drink the Lord's Supper is, number one, you, you don't belong to Jesus Christ. So here's what I'd say to you. If you're not a believer, if you're not a follower, if you have not spiritually partaken and believed and put your faith in Jesus Christ, then I would ask you not to participate. If you are, but you are out of fellowship. There is disunity. There's something, there's like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm walking in enmity towards a brother in Christ. That's one of the things also, according to 1 Corinthians 11, that would make us partake in an unworthy manner. What was happening in 1 Corinthians 11 is everybody would sort of charge the communion table, eat, drink, elbow people out. I don't really care about anybody else. This is just a Jesus and me moment. This is not just a Jesus and me moment. This is a Jesus and us. This is where we recognize this is what ties and binds us together. It's not our politics. It's not our creed, right? It's not, it's not, not this, this, these, these sort of things that we find our identity in in this world. It's, it's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so, man, if that's you, if you say, man, I'm a follower of Jesus, I love Jesus, I love his church, right? Whether it's King's Church or this, that you would partake of, of, of this with us, okay? When we remember the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. Paul says that on the night that Jesus was betrayed, 
he, he took the bread and having blessed it, he broke it. And he said, this is my body broken, given for you. Take this in remembrance of me. Let's partake of the bread together. In the same manner after he took the bread, he took the cup and said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. As often as you eat the bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's partake of the cup together. Amen. Now I want to ask if you're going to be part of the King's Church starting next week, will you, will you stand, those of you who are going with the King's Church? Awesome. There was another group in the first service, so great to see this. King's Church, I have a charge for you. Scripture tells us that those who belong to God in Christ also belong to the local church. There is no such thing as a churchless Christian. The context through which you are to work out your faith with fear and trembling is among a group of believers gathered together in a certain time and place. Therefore, the local church isn't optional. It is absolutely necessary for your growth, protection, and spiritual care. As those who will form the first congregation of the King's Church, you are called to regularly and habitually participate in the life of the church by faithfully attending the weekly gathering, serving in its ministries, and giving of your resources. You are called to a life of deep communion and relationship with the Lord, confessing your sins to each other and receiving God's forgiveness. You're called to submit to the scriptures as the final authority for your life, as this leads to peace and to flourishing. You are called to live in Christian community, loving one another out of the love you receive from God in Christ. So now in the presence of God and before these many witnesses, do you promise by God's grace to love and serve and give to the King's church out of obedience to Jesus for God's glory and your good? If so, will you say, by God's grace, we do? Amen. Amen. Congregation, some of these are friends, and I want to just invite all of you to stand now. And some of you who are near them or even wherever you are, come and gather around. I want you to lay hands on them. Let's just surround them and love them right now as we, uh, as we call out to God on their behalf, okay? Bow your heads with me. And let's pray. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus, our great high priest, recognizing that when you want to plant a church, you call people to seed that plant, to step out in faith and participate in the new work that you're doing. Those standing before us today have said yes, and so we pray for them. Father, we pray today for supernatural unity at the King's Church. We know that that is a work of your spirit and without it, everything else will come to nothing. Show them again and again and again that their unity is not found in class or race or gender. It won't be found in education or politics. Draw them further up and further in to know the unity that only comes through the gospel of Jesus Christ, his person, his work, his message. May they reflect a kind of unity that causes people in Ontario and the surrounding area to long for the kind of community that can only come through hearts knit together by one spirit, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. That, that though they are many and varied and diverse, they are one in Jesus Christ. 
We pray that this core group would be eager to be shepherded by Stephen and future elders and that Stephen would find joy in shepherding rather than feeling it as a burden for that would be of no advantage to them. We pray that King's Church would be known in Ontario and beyond by their love for one another. The kind of love that would make it obvious that they are your disciples. A love that would compel them to serve one another. Be kind to one another. Outdo one another in showing honor. Give to one another. Forbear and forgive one another. The kind of love that would make those on the outside look in and long for what they have. We pray that this group would conduct themselves with wisdom toward outsiders, making the most of every opportunity you give them. That from the moment people drive onto the parking lot and onto the campus of Colony High School, then walk into that temporary sanctuary next Sunday, they might say, surely God is in this place. That what may be a common cafeteria Monday through Friday would become a sacred dwelling place for God's presence on Sundays. That the room that feeds students during the week would be a place of spiritual feasting on the weekend. We pray that King's Church would be a multiplying church, that what begins next week would be the tip of the spiritual iceberg, that this would be the beginning of a gospel resurgence, that out of the King's Church would come even more God-glorifying, Jesus-exalting, Spirit-empowered, Word-preaching, disciple-making, gospel-centered churches. Lord, we pray for perseverance. The road ahead will be hard at times. There will be days of victory and there will be days of defeat. But through it all, I pray that these standing here would not throw in the towel. They would simply be reminded that we are in a spiritual battle with a real enemy on contested ground. Opposition is inevitable, but I pray that the opposition would come from the outside, not the inside. And we thank you that while in this world we will have trouble, you, Jesus, have overcome the world. Finally, can we be so bold as to ask you, for revival, Lord, and let it begin with us that as the gospel is preached that many, many hundreds, perhaps thousands of people will come to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and that by believing they might have life in his name. And we ask all this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, the head of the church, the great shepherd, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen.